Some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who want to watch the show but can on television, they can go to www.hotm.tv and watch it live streaming video from anywhere in the world. We also have all of our programs archived there. You can watch them for free download uh, all the way back to 2006, so we invite you to do that. I Was a Born Again Mormon is available in PDF download now free. Just go on the website, same one. Uh, H-O-T, no, actually, uh, bornagainmormon.com, go there and you can download the book uh, and have it in your hands in seconds. The hard copy, we're working on getting those uh, third edition reprinted. You know, the Word of God is amazing uh, because when we read it um, and we hear it taught, it goes into our minds and I always use this example, it works like those scrubbing bubbles. You remember those commercials where they spray scrubbing bubbles on tubs and all the scum, those little creatures who go like Pac-Man and eat all the scrubbing bubbles away? Well, the Word of God does the same thing. When you hear it taught and you read the Bible, it goes into your head and it scrubs away all the dirt and corruption and philosophies of men and it replaces it with God's Word to you. And it helps you, uh, there's nothing like the Word of God. It helps us overcome our natural selves and then start to relate to him in the way he wants us to. If you're interested in learning the Word of God, in addition to your own churches, we have a Bible study every week, you can go to www.calvarycampus.com and get information like direction and times. We meet once in Logan at Utah State on Sunday, eve, uh, Sunday afternoons and once here at the University of Utah, uh, also uh, on Sunday afternoons. I couldn't be more serious, really. If you want to change your life, if you're really not happy with what you're doing in your life or how you're thinking or the way you're perceiving uh, life, the Bible is the greatest uh, tool to help you overcome your natural self. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've mentioned that the 2010 Heart of the Matter programs are really exciting to us because we're gonna go through and present a weekly topical study alphabetically through uh, the Bible passages the LDS used to support their errant doctrines and show how the Bible actually teaches contextually what those doctrines are. So uh, 52 topics like apostasy and baptism and priesthood and prophets and the two sticks of Joseph and Judah and, and word of wisdom and all those things that they use the Bible to support those things. We're going to get into those. Make sure you tape TV or join us live every Tuesday night here and we continue and please continue to share the program with your family or friends. You know, there are a lot of good churches out there and they all have different approaches to reaching and teaching people the Word of God. Our ministry is pleased to stand behind three local uh, churches uh, and they are very different in their approach, but they are all united in biblical Christianity and are all places that anybody would feel comfortable in bringing their LDS family or friends to. That's very important to us. It's not really a comfortable thing to uh, maybe be examining uh, Christianity and to bring your LDS family or friends to a church and have people doing things that are just freaking them out, you know? So these are very friendly. And also it's good to bring them to a place where the pastors aren't like, Mormons are the devil. And, you know, we want some place that's, that's comfortable. And these three churches we really appreciate. Grace Lutheran and Sandy, Pastor Jeff Nellimore, they offer a great approach to, uh, no? 
Good Shepherd. I mess that up every time. Good Shepherd in, uh, thanks, Derek, in uh, Sandy. And then Sandy Ridge Community Church, Travis, Pastor Travis Mitchell, also a fine gathering of believers out there. And Christ Evangelical in Orem with uh, Pastor Scott McKinney, a great teacher of the word. And remember, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You may go to one place and think, no, I'm really not into this place. And you may go to another one and you might say, wow, the Lord really likes, I really like it here. The Lord wants me to stay here and grow here with this. And that's fine. God is so diverse. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't need to be cookie cutter. So the beauty of being Christian, it's in the relationship you have with Jesus Christ and not the religion that, or the religious place that you go every week. And we carry that out actually to an extreme in people's lives. Uh, so as long as they are standing on the um, core issues of Christianity and they're teaching the word through some manner, we, uh, we hope that you will experience those Christian churches and try to find one that suits you. This brings me to a question that I have for my Christian brothers and sisters, and I hope if you're listening, you'll call in tonight. Now, I, I get on the LDS a lot about their doctrines and because I am a firm believer in the Bible, and I stand by what the Bible says contextually. But um, there are also some things within Christianity I want to know. For instance, one that has bothered me for quite a long time. I wish some of you would call and explain this to me. Why is it that we have all this, these loving attempts at reaching out to the lost and to the sinful and the homeless and the drug addicted with the wonderful news of salvation by grace and grace alone? We have that, that's the good news. And we have that message. We reach out to all these people and we patiently extend all this Christianity and love toward anyone who has not accepted Jesus. Then once we get them into the sheepfold, we spend all kinds of crazy energy castigating and, and demanding that they become just like us. I mean, what's the whole thing? It, it's like, oh, my brother, I love you. You're, you're so good. Jesus loves you completely as you are in your filthy, degraded state. He loves you. You're saved by grace. And I believe that message. And then do you believe that? And they, you do? Well, hallelujah. Now you have to do exactly as I say. You have to dress like I dress. You have to read the version of the Bible that I read. And if you don't attend this church, Jesus doesn't love you. And neither do I. I mean, why does that happen? Where is the gospel of grace before people come to know Jesus, when they come to know Jesus, and then after they come to know Jesus? Please call in and let me know what you think. I want to know. While riding the program at a local fast food restaurant this uh, the other day, a well-dressed man in a white shirt and tie came up, kind of looked around, you know, checked out the area, and then he said, hi, um, I watch your program all the time. And I extended my hand, introduced myself, <laughs> like he didn't know who I was, I mean, and, uh, because he had introduced himself to me, not that I'm somebody, and, and, I, and he introduced himself to me, and then he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, by all means. And he said, me and my entire family, my wife and her family, my children and my children's children are and have been their whole lives LDS. We are Mormon through and through. Mormonism is our whole life. That's what he said. Then he looked around again, kind, and he said, but you know what? I know, I know it's not right. And what would you suggest that I do at this stage of the game? I mean, I'm 64 years old, he said. I'm six, there we go. I'm 64 years old and now, before I tell you how I respond, I want you to think in your head, how would you respond? What would you say to this man if he came up to you at a table? How would Jesus respond to this man? What do you think the Lord God, Jesus Christ, sitting there in a Carl's Jr., would say to a man who walked up to him with this same thing? What, was his, what would his attitude be like? Well, I sat back and said a silent prayer, and I was just like, Lord, help me. And uh, this is what I said. What I would suggest to you is to first personally receive everything Jesus has to offer you as a man. Everything. And what does he mean to you personally? Have you been born again as an individual? Don't worry about your being Mormon. Don't worry about whatever. Have you received what he has given you? Have you submitted your whole self, your whole life, 
your will and your uh, proclivities towards bad things and good, have you given this all to Jesus and said, you take it, you help me be the best person? And I added, when you can personally say that you have experienced this and you've relinquished, not worked and gathered, but relinquished yourself to him, that is when you might start worrying about how to handle the situation with your own family. And, and we kind of sat there quietly and, and he, I said, do you get what I mean? And he nodded. And I just said, like I'm saying to you, go to him and confess your sins and confess your sinful heart and ask him to become the Lord of your existence and mean it. And then wait on him to come and speak to you, open your eyes, open your ears, soften your heart, however he will do uh, in your situation, however he works. And he will then start working with you in your family. And then like we've always said, uh, he doesn't, Jesus is not there to destroy your family. He's there to come into your family. And so he will use you through his love and patience to reach out to them. That's what you hope for. So he stood and thanked me and walked away. And I'm reminded that this is what we, why we do what we do for the Latter-day Saints out there. What is truly deeply your whole life? Uh, is it Mormonism or is it Jesus? Don't confuse them or use them interchangeably. You can't say the church is Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not by the church, not by the organization. It's by me. And so he meant that. And when you can say that Jesus truly is your whole life and not a church or a religion, um, I promise you that everything else will fall into place. So with that, let's uh, begin with a prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you, God, and we need you in our lives. We pray for our audience here, our audience in TV land, our audience on YouTube and everywhere else. And we pray that people who are seeking will find you. Uh, pray for our uh, volunteer staff, our technical direction, and everything else that goes along with this program. We praise you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, last week we began our examination of the role of racism and Mormonism. I spent the first program laying out the racist foundations that are found in LDS scripture. That's all we talked about was scripture. And the reason, uh, the result of this was really interesting. In terms of the LDS, we had four LDS people who called in regarding us talking about racism relative to scripture. What was interesting to me is not one LDS person called and said, Yes, I do believe that blacks are cursed with uh, a dark skin because they were inferior in the preexistence. Yes, I do believe the Lamanites and the Indians have a darker skin because their forefathers and themselves have not completely come to the truth of the Mormon gospel. We never have the LDS call and state what they think and what they believe in their hearts. And I'm talking about people who have been around in the church and know the doctrines who do believe that stuff. And I would suggest that anybody over 50 probably still does believe that uh, and maybe many younger. But how can we never get those calls? Instead, we get these other types, and you know, I really couldn't have scripted or written those calls better. First, we had a guy named Josh, I think from the Provo Orem area, and he introduced himself as a filmmaker. And he tried to spin the LDS racist doctrines by saying that they're not necessarily racist because as men, we don't understand what God means through these practices. So what is racism? I mean, can't we state that if one group of people are excluded from another activity based on the color of their skin, that it's racist? Couldn't we say that? Well, according to the filmmaker Josh, we cannot. And Josh's approach to racism is one of the Mormon tactics to defend their stances of old, and that is through a spin. Games with semantics, picking a word and spinning, and most intellectual arguments come down to semantical arguments. Then we had an LDS caller named Virginia who called with a message that said she didn't think the passages about the pre-existence of great and noble ones that's mentioned in the book of uh -oh, Abraham, I think, maybe Moses, I can't remember, uh, that she didn't think those were racist. And to this, I agreed. But what Virginia failed to notice was this idea of pre-existent worthiness is foundational 
to the LDS idea that race is a product of what you were like in the pre-existence. She ignored that. She didn't bring that up. All she said was, I want to focus on that verse you used. That doesn't mean that we're racist. And that's just another tactic that will... Uh, that is presented as a defense of Mormonism. It's one that ignores a, you know, a truckload of data that shows racism was there and focuses on one little point to make it seem like we really aren't. And so I point that out. The next caller stepped up to the plate and his name was um, to defend the faith and his name was Boyd. And he referred to himself as an LDS researcher. And Boyd repeated an incomprehensible mantra over and over and over again. He said, we just have to get back to the beginning. We just have to get back to the beginning. And I kept talking, well, what's the beginning? You know, we could not get to it. And I tried to understand what he meant, but what he was meaning was only something that lived inside his head. And um, that call full of vagaries and, and some spin presented us with another LDS method, and that is complete confusion. And when people hear that kind of thing, they just say, this is so difficult for me to get my mind around, forget it. I'm just gonna stay where I'm at and believe what I've been taught and go forward. I feel comfortable in that. And so it's a great, another one of the great defenses. Finally, we had a call from a guy named Bob. Now our screener wrote that Bob was a first time caller, but when I heard Bob's voice, uh, I knew that it, he was not a first-time caller, but was an LDS man who truly considers himself an LDS apologist. He writes and promotes himself by making videos of himself in his home and posting them on the internet. And then he also has an online blog, much of which is pointed against me. And he has called the program numerous times, but is so boring and so focused on nitpicky stuff that these little variables get in the way of just talking about the truth. It's just this whole spin machine. This Bob, in my opinion, is, is mean and he's very deceptive. So mean that he calls the people who kind of follow our ministry, Santa's broken toys. That's a quote from his mouth. That's his arrogance toward the human race. The people who can't and don't follow Mormonism are Santa's broken toys. And you know, to that I say, I'm, I'm chief. I'm the chief puppet that has his head lopped off in Santa's workshop and needs it to be mended together by Jesus. I'll admit that. And I praise God that he put me that way. The perfect people, they can go out, you know, in Santa's perfect house, but the broken toys are the ones Jesus came for, Bob. And when you said that that's what they are, very mean. But he's also quite deceptive, so much so that he told an operator last week that it was, he was a first-time caller. So he presented us with another LDS method uh, to defend their faith, and it's just downright deception. You see, these types, they need fodder to live off, and so they just search and try to find anything to live off to keep their, their thing going. It gives them identity and name and recognition and all that. So what did he say? He said, prove to me on the air that Elijah Abel, a black man, who Joseph Smith gave the priesthood to, show me when that priesthood was rescinded, taken away from him. And he was trying to infer that this priesthood was never taken from this black man that Joseph Smith gave it to. Therefore, Joseph was magnanimous and loved black people so as to kind of get away from the whole racist thing. I happen to have a quote by Harold B. Lee when he spoke at BYU in 1961. As an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, claiming to have be a personal witness of him, and he said that when it was found out that Elijah Abel had received the priesthood, that it was declared, quote, null and void by the prophet Joseph Smith himself, and so likewise by three other presidents who succeeded Joseph Smith as prophet. What was Bob's response to this? He said the apostle Harold B. Lee was mistaken. Now, the LDS apostle who is considered a prophet, seer, and revelator, who everybody listened to at BYU at that time, was mistaken. And now Bob from Fruit Heights, Utah, is the authority. He gets to come in and say, he was mistaken. Let me lay out the truth. The LDS apostle who is trusted as a literal mouthpiece of God Literal. They are held up as prophets, seers, and revelators. When they speak, I'm telling you within Mormonism, it's like God has spoken. They'll, they'll, they'll scrutinize some things, but when the brethren speak, especially the apostles or prophet, it's like that. Now, I can assure you that the folks at BYU in 1961, when President Lee said that, they trusted him. They believed him like they believe their um, apostles today. My question is, why? 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 Do they believe these men? 
Because if the apostle makes mistakes like this, then what mistakes are they making today? And what mistakes will 20 years from now, will people say, well, Thomas Monson, we didn't really believe him when he said that. You heard that caller last week, Josh said, Bruce R. McConkie, I don't put any credence into what Bruce R. McConkie says. But you know, when I was alive, Bruce R. When I was alive. <laughs> I should say when I was dead, uh, Bruce R. McConkie was king, man. I mean, Mormon doctrine, that was the thing. And, and, and the, the brethren let all the Mormons just go along and listen to what all these men would say. And you'd hold it up as so important and follow it instead of the word of God, you know? And so this is the game they, they play. Listen, trust the word of God. Trust God himself. Read the word, trust him. His spirit does work through us. We don't deny that. Don't trust me but check the things that we're talking about and see if they're true. Go to utlm.org if you want to check my facts. Okay, so the scriptural foundation was laid uh, for racism within Mormonism by Joseph Smith himself. These foundations said that one, skin tone was a curse placed upon the American Indians by God because of the sins of their fathers and actually their own sins, and that that skin color could actually change if they became righteous, and that the skin color placed upon black people was a curse by God put upon them because the sins of their forefather Cain. Additionally, there is the LDS idea that skin color, along with socioeconomic place in life, is a direct result of every individual standing in the pre-existence based on their pre-existent worthiness. If a person is born white and LDS in Utah to a wealthy family, they were the best of the best in the pre-existent state. If a person is born, born, I'm just sorry, dry mouth. If a person is born dead, if a person is born black, in the Congo, in Harlem, they made some kind of pre-existent mistake and sin that forced them to come down here and do that. And well, even though these views are denied by many LDS defenders of the faith today, the ideas and opinions live on within the hearts of most LDS faithful people. I want to know why no LDS is called and agreed with me honestly. Well, let's hear some scripture. We've heard the scriptural pronouncements. Let me spend the next five minutes I can, uh, if I can, uh, reading some quotes. I'm going to be quick here. I've got a lot of them but I want to finish up to give plenty of time for callers. Uh, the first one is from Brigham Young. Cain slew his brother. Cain might have been killed and that would have put a termination upon that line of human beings. This was not to be. And the Lord put a mark upon him. That is the flat nose and black skin. I didn't know the flat nose was part of the mark, but according to Brigham Young, that is it. Trace mankind down at to after the flood and then another curse is pronounced upon the same race that they should be the servant of servants and etc. Uh, he goes on, Brigham Young, if you want to do utlm.org, has a lot of quotes about the blacks. John Taylor says, why is it, in fact, that we should have a devil? Why did not the Lord kill him long ago? Because he could not do without him. He needed the devil and a great many of those who do his bidding just to keep men straight that we might learn to place our dependence upon God and trust him and observe the laws and keep his commandments. Listen to this. When he destroyed the inhabitants of the antediluvian world, that means the pre-Noahic world before Noah, he suffered a descendant of Cain to come through the flood in order that he might be properly represented on the earth, meaning Satan might be properly represented on the earth through the black race. That's in John Taylor, Journal of Discourses 23, uh, colon 336. David O. McKay said, ninth president of the church, I know no scriptural basis for denying the priesthood to Negroes other than one verse in the book of Abraham, and he cites 126. So the prophet cites scriptural basis for denying the blacks priesthood. Many people will say, that's not true. There's no scriptural basis. Your own prophet said there is. All right. Joseph Fielding Smith. The Latter-day Saints, so commonly called Mormons, have no animosity towards the Negro. Listen to this. Neither have they described him as belonging to an inferior race. Okay. That's what he uh said. Paper down. All right. 
Okay, and this is Joseph Fielding Smith said that. Latter-day Saints do not call black people an inferior race. Okay? Listen to this next quote. Quote, not only was Cain called upon to suffer, but because of his wickedness, he came, he became the father of an inferior race. This is by the same guy, same mouth, same prophet. He says, Mormons do not consider the black an inferior race. I have a quote from Joseph Fielding Smith, The Way to Perfection, page 101, where he says that Cain was the father of an inferior race. A curse was placed upon him and that curse continued through the lineage and must do until time endures. Millions of souls have come into this world cursed with black skin have been denied the privilege of the priesthood and the fullness of the blessings of the gospel. These are the descendants of Cain. Moreover, they have been given, they have been made to feel their inferiority and have been separated from the rest of mankind from the beginning. Now I want you to know if you look at the Bible, God is a creator of the races. He, he created them and it was not a punishment. There are verses and there's one that is so good. I want to try to find, it. I had it in my old Bible and it tells how God brought the colors to us and he gave us the colors and the differences through man. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Some of the greatest people on earth are people of color. They have such culture. And yes, there are things that white people do and brown people do and black people do that make us generalize and, and, and become racist in our hearts. But God is not that way. And yet Mormonism has taken that. All right, I've got, a, I've got so many here and no time, but I do want to read uh, one that's really good. Mark E. Peterson we cannot escape, this is in 1954, we cannot escape the conclusion that because of performance in the pre-existence, some of us are born Chinese, some as Japanese, some as Indians, some as Negroes, some as Americans, some as Latter-day Saints. Woo, kind of looked, he, he did a little order for you there almost, it seems like. These are rewards and punishments, fully in harmony with his established policy in dealing with sinners and saints, rewarding all according to their deeds. Marky Peterson, 1954, spouting this crap as an apostle on, on races, and that those venomous seeds were planted into people who lived and heard and learned from their parents and everything on until today. Um, one more, in spite of all he did in the preexistence, the Lord is willing, if the Negro accepts the gospel, with real sincere faith and is ready to be converted to give him the blessings of baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost. If that Negro is faithful all his days, faithful all his days, he can and will enter the celestial kingdom. He will go there as a servant. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable, man. He's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that people could sit there and listen to this and shake their head and nod. I don't have time. I've got so many more, but I've got to read Thomas S. Monson's story. This is from your current prophet. This is from his book, On the Lord's Aaron, Memoirs of Thomas Monson. He writes, in about 1956, we recognized that our neighborhood was deteriorating. We observed this one Halloween by the nature of the people who came in the guise of trick or treat. The minority elements were moving into an area where we lived and many of the old time families had long since moved away. Seeking counsel, I advised with Marky Peterson, who had for many years been a general manager of the Deseret News, and Pres O. Preston Robertson, my former professor of marketing at the University of Utah, as I mentioned to mark my dilemma, wondering if it would be unfair for me to move, he simply said, your obligation to that area is concluded. Why don't you build a house in my ward? Thomas S. Monson, prophet today, talking about getting out of the neighborhood because there it went. This stuff lives in their hearts, my friend. Next week, we'll continue on with racism and, and Mormonism, and we're going to talk about how they're handling it today, how the revelation came to change in 1978, that blacks could then hold the priesthood, but how the doctrines within their scripture still hasn't changed at all. We're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. 
First time callers, please LDS if at all possible. An honest LDS person, please. And please have your question or comments ready. We're gonna take a few minutes to watch an announcement uh, for our partners program. Uh, we can use any help the Lord has given you uh, and put you in a position to give prayer, volunteerism, financial. If your support comes in terms of finance, please be sure to support your personal local church first. And if so inclined to consider Aletheia Ministries uh, thereafter, let's take a look at the spot. and We'll come back and answer your calls. Many things live in our city. This Christmas, hope lives here. Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Alathia Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries, long-term sustainability, without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. We're back. The phone lines are full, but keep trying. If you get a message, just keep calling in. You'll get through and uh, operators will take your questions. We have Dewan from Ogden, we have Paul from Ogden, we have Gabriel from Orem and Brett from Ogden. Uh, <clears throat> but we have a question from Ken. It says, has the curse been lifted off the blacks? Yes, 1978, supposedly it was. Then he says, if so, why are black babies still being born? Why aren't they born white? It's a great question, huh? If the curse was lifted, it must mean that those pre-existent babies must not be doing the bad things that their parents did. So therefore, the black people should be pumping out white kids now, shouldn't they? I mean, isn't that how it works? When men get involved with this stuff, it gets so ridiculous. Bert asks, what can a Christian family do uh, to be, wait, what can a Christian do to get his Mormon family to become Christian? He's been married to an LDS for 15 years. I tell you, brother, it's uh, the question of the century in our ministry, and I believe my personal thing is to back off on the because uh, 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 often that ends in divorce and uh, other ugly things, and bring in the love, love, love. Don't be like me on the show. This is television, and just really just share Jesus, who he is, and just say, are, you know, are you born again? Jesus, that's an imperative he gave in John 3. You know, you must be born again. Have you been? And, just, and, and bring that into the discussion. Don't bring in theological things and all this stuff. This is just stuff for people who are kind of searching and trying to see what it all means. But Jesus is the one that changes lives. He's the one who does the salvation. He'll do it with your family too. So, all right, we have uh, all these calls, but I'm going to take the LDS caller, Paul, first from Ogden. Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, hey, uh, you know, you, you say that you haven't had an LDS person call and, and say that, uh, are, are you saying you, they haven't, you haven't had one call and say that that's what they heard is, is black people are, are from the seed of Cain? Is that yeah. what you're... Yeah, I want to have a Latter-day Saint just tell us on the air live that they believe all this, that they're, that the apostles and prophets taught prior to uh, the, the current uh, bent to become so acceptable to Christianity. Yeah, now as far as do I believe that? Yeah, do you be, where do you believe the black people, their skin color came from? You, you know, if if I said that, and if I said that at, at work or whatever, I'd go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now growing up and hearing my dad talk in the household, that's all he taught. Like, people were from the seat of Cain. Yeah. You know, and, and now he didn't go to church 
all the time. You know, he never had, I mean, he had a tempo recommend a little bit, but, but what do you have think, I Paul? heard that from, from them? Oh, of course I have. Yeah. Of course I have. How about you? What do you think? Now, as far as me, you know, I have a temple recommend. I go to the temple. Do I hear any racist stuff in the temple at church or anything? No. Have I heard anybody talk about the the black people in that way or or, or any any yeah. way like that? No. You know, my my boy is part Mexican. How so old are you? Is, I'm thirty five. So, and so, you're in this in this epoch of Mormonism. You're not hearing any of this these references to preexistent uh, worthiness or Cain or the Lamanites being dark skinned because of their forefathers. Uh, well, okay, let, let me regress. Lamanites being dark skinned. Yes, yes, I've heard that in church. Okay, yes. all right. Yes. Well, I appreciate the straightforward yes. uh, response to hear, so that our audience can hear. The, your, from okay. your perspective, you're 35, you, maybe you weren't raised, cut your teeth as much on it as I did and people before me, older than me, but still, uh, just the fact that it's still taught about the dark skin and the Lamanites, the racism still is there, meaning that yeah, yeah. skin color is indicative of worthiness. Really appreciate it, Paul. Thanks. Yeah, I just want to tell you one thing. A lady told me to listen to you, and I, I, I'm open-minded. That's why I went to the temple. I just wanted to see what the church was about, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. and, and and that's why I'm listening to you, to see what message you have to bring. So I appreciate it, okay? Thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, great call. Uh, let's go to, and I appreciate the honesty. I mean, in his experience, he hasn't heard much, and that's a good thing. There might, might be changing in that way, but the doctrines haven't changed, and the scriptures haven't changed. That's what's always so annoying about it. Let's go to Brett in Ogden, who's born LDS. Brett, you're on Heart of the Matter. Excuse me? You're on the air. Oh, hello. Okay. You dried my hair, I Brett. Am, I was born and raised LDS. I was baptized today a Eagle Scout by 13, you know, but when I got out of high school, instead of going on a mission like my mom wanted me to, I went in the military. Uh-huh. Now, she looks bad at me all the time because of this, and now I don't even go to the LDS church, and she gets real mad. Uh -huh. What do I do? Well, what are you doing, Brett? I'm retired. Uh, do you go? Do you do you go to church or anything at all now? Oh yeah, I go to what's called the Genesis Project here in Ogden. Uh huh. It, Excellent. It basically just teaches you about Christ. Awesome. Well, keep doing that and keep loving your mother. And uh, you know that's what you do. I think you know you just search for Jesus. You believe in Him, and that's that's great. I I think that's a great way to approach it, Brett. Okay. All right. You take care. You too. All right. You know, and I enjoyed talking to somebody about what's going on in my life. Awesome. Well, keep in touch. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to Dewan, I think it is, in Ogden. Dewan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. This is Dewan Pike from Ogden. Uh-huh. I had a question about uh, the Mormon so-called secret society. I watched an episode uh, where you were talking about the secret rooms and the different levels. And I'm me, myself, I'm a Southern Baptist. Uh-huh. And God says, come as you are. Now, my cousin just married a Mormon girl, and we weren't allowed to go to the temple because we haven't been blessed. Now, my question is, who decides who's worthy enough to go in the temple or not? Great question, Dewan. This is exactly how it works. You, you go to church in a ward. So first thing, you have to be a member. That means you've joined by baptism. You receive the Holy Ghost by a priesthood holder laying his hands on you. And then you continue to go on. And let's say you become an adult or you are an adult. You pay your tithing. And then you want to go to the temple. You go to your bishop. And your bishop interviews you and or your spouse and they ask you a series of 12 to 20 questions, 
and they all have to do with your worthiness. Do you obey the Sabbath day? Do you obey the law of tithing? Do you obey the uh, word of wisdom? Do you do this? Do you do that? All these questions. Do you believe Joseph Smith restored the true gospel? Do you associate with any apostate groups? All these different questions, and you answer them. That bishop then signs a, a recommend. I think they still do it this way. And then you go to a member of the stake presidency. And that stake is an area that contains about seven congregations. And then that member of that presidency, there's three of them, you interview with one of them and they go through and they ask you the very same questions. And then you answer. And if he uh, deems you worthy, meaning you've answered correctly to all of them, he signs your recommend. And then when you go to the temple, you show that recommend and then you get to go in. So you basically have to take an... Uh, an SAT test just to be able to get into the temple. Yeah, a, a moral SAT test. And what's really interesting about that is when you walk into the temple, the first thing you do is you go into their locker rooms, and there's locks on all the lockers. So everybody in there is saying, I'm, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. And the first thing you see are locks on all the lockers. I never got that when I was Mormon. I'm like, what's going on here? Shouldn't it be open? But, uh, yeah, you know, it's really funny the way it works, dude. And all, every single question that they ask, you are almost lying to everyone, even if you really in your heart believe you're telling the truth. Oh, are wow. you honest in all your dealings with your fellow man? Well, I'll tell you right now, this morning my wife asked me if she looked good in the dress she was wearing, and I said yes. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, so it's just built on deception. And that whole thing is a facade, and it's horrible. Did that help? Yes, it does. I want to tell you, Sean, I think you should be a national show, and I love your show, dude. Thanks, Dawn. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to Aaron in American Fork. He's a first-time caller. Aaron, you're on Heart of the Matter. What's up? Not much. Hello, Sean. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. I just like to say you got you're doing a good job. I hope more in LDS people keep Thanks, watching Aaron. your show and changing their minds. Uh, my thing is on your uh, thing tonight about the race. Yeah, I grew up in a. You know, my mom told me about in the late seventies about how black people weren't allowed, like really, in the church until then. Yeah. Uh, the what. I, my question, or my comment is really, is that last year when the California is doing that Proposition 8 about the homosexuals, yeah, I'd just like to say that you watch in five or six years, I can guarantee that they're going to allow them people to, <laughs> people. you know, be in the church and <laughs> them they people. don't even think it's a bad thing anymore or anything like that. Well, you know what, Aaron? I completely agree with you. I don't agree with you calling them them people, but I... I agree they will allow fully uh, a homosexuality within Mormonism. I think it's coming. And I'd, I've always believed women will have the so-called priesthood too someday. Uh, I think that will happen. But that's just my little side pet project in my brain. I, I think so. But I, you, I think you're right. Because they go with the flow to stay alive. Does that help? Yeah. No, I, anyway, again, you're doing a great job. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Got an email uh, from Nelson. It's a great little email. I just got it today. It says, I have contacted you before. Today I watched a rerun about racism and Mormonism. It made me remember an incident uh, that happened to me. My daughter was about six months old. She had a very high fever, and my wife was out somewhere with the car. I went to an LDS neighbor, an elder, and asked him to bless my baby. Uh, nothing happened. My daughter became worse. I was panicking. I carried her upstairs of our apartment building looking for more help, someone to bless her. I saw a tall man dressed uh, very well carrying a large scripture I mistook for the LDS quad. His back was toward me. I pleaded for him to help bless my baby. He turned to me. He was a black man, not even LDS at all. I think he must have been a preacher of some sort. He held his Bible aloft, placed his big hand on my daughter's head, and belted out in an exaggerated southern draw, In the blessed name of Jesus, I bless this little child. And then he walked away. I felt the heat leaving my little baby in my arms. She began cooling contentedly. 
I now look back at my Mormon stupidity and realize that God truly is no respecter of persons, and he is definitely not racist. Great email. Thanks so much for that one. And applause from the audience. They're a little feisty tonight. I don't know what's going on with them. Too much sugar. We're going to Anna uh, from Brigham City. First time caller on line four. Anna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Anna? Um, hello, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I just, I just want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Um, um, from, from a Jewish perspective, I'm just... Um, I'm kind of curious because I hear the Mormons always say that the Jews and Mormons have so much in common, um, but I don't see what they have in common. I think that Mormonism and Islam are actually more, more. I, I think that they have more in common than any other religion. You know, Mormonism and Islam are kind of similar. What do you think? Uh, I think you are exactly right, Anna. I think that uh, Mormons love to compare the uh, LDS faith to Judaism. Uh, and they just, they just love to think that they are, too are a chosen people. And that is part of their whole buildup, is that they are now carrying forward as the cho- God's chosen people. Not that the Jews have lost being the chosen people. It's not replacement theology, but it's this idea that they too now are the chosen ones. They, are, uh, they use the Old Testament a little bit more uh, like uh, um, uh, than a Christian would in terms of how they rely on law. And so they see themselves that way. Family is important to them. They believe in success, in training their children to be successful. And, and sometimes right. Christians don't necessarily do it, so they see it in that way. And uh, because Christians don't care if their kids are great worldly successes, they just want them to know the Lord, many of them. And then the biggest one is their temple. And somehow, because Jews go to temple today and because there were temples in the Old Testament, uh, the Mormons love to say we are just like the Jews. Uh, if yeah, any, there's, there's go ahead. There's no similarity. <laughs> What's that? that? There is no similarity. To me, Mormonism and Islam are, are so similar because um, they, they both have their own prophet yep. and their own book. Yep. and um, no alcohol, and they actually used to slit your throats in the 1800s called yeah. the blood atonement. Yeah. And, and to me, um, their own prophet, and then, um, and, and then the women, um, I, I just don't see any similarity between Judaism and um, Mormonism, but I see the similarities in Islam and Mormonism, and, and, and they actually boast about, you know, uh, Brigham Young would boast about how he admires the Muslims, and so... I just want to say that from a Jewish perspective, I do not see any similarities between Mormonism and Judaism at all. <laughs> really good to hear from you, Anna. Thank you for sharing that with us. I hope that gets more people to think about that statement that the LDS love to pass around. Right. Thank you so much. Th- oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Another one which I failed to mention when we did the comparison and contrast between Mormonism and Islam was uh, polygamy. Uh, Islam still believes in polygamy, and so do Mormons, based on their doctrine in 132. So even that uh, is another similarity. So she's right on with that. We're going to Gabriel and Orem. Gabriel, you are on Heart of the Matter. Hi, I have a question for you from something that I saw last week. Yeah. Um, I was, first time that I had, had watched your program, and I was listening to you talk about Mormons and how they were, they were racist towards blacks from the dynam the priesthood. Okay. Um, you were answering some concerns that a woman had and written to you in a letter. Do you remember that letter? Remind me more. She was just saying that the Bible was ridiculous, and she had cited scriptures oh, yeah. with different claims. Yeah. yeah and, there, and there was one of the passages that just kind of struck me as odd and seemed kind of conflicting. I was wondering if you could clear it up. I'll try. You were talking about how the children of Israel were allowed to have slaves as long as they weren't from their own families, as they were, as long as they weren't from the children of Israel. Right. And when, when you were talking about Mormons, you had mentioned that God loves all of His children equally, and that's why all should have the priesthood. But uh-huh. I guess my question is, why in the Old Testament would it say that God allows them to have slaves that are not of the children of Israel if He loves them all equally? Okay. Which you could clear that up for me. All right. Let me explain that the, the best way I can. Okay. The difference, if we're making a comparison, first and foremost, which you might not be, but. Okay is that God allowed his chosen people to have any kind of slaves. 
all right? Now, I know that seems like it's it, but it's very different from someone saying everybody can be a holder of the priesthood except this race. Right. So the comparison is an apple and an orange, in my opinion. However, okay. why would God even allow these children, his children of Israel to have slaves? Why would he allow them to actually go in and wipe out entire villages, children, men, and women? He did. The Old Testament picture for God was his covenant people, and they were under law, and if they obeyed, they received blessings. If they disobeyed, they received cursings, and they were his. And he dealt with them and, and his chosen people, and because he did it in that way, it was a picture for how Christ would come and fulfill all of that obligation and then open it up to everybody in the here after Christ came. The picture of the Old Testament and his chosen people was a picture of God's righteousness. And the heathen nations, they were idolaters. They would sacrifice children on Molech. And so when God said, go in and you can take slaves from them, you can wipe them out, it was because they were godless. They, I know it's hard to see in some time, but they completely deserve God's wrath under the dispensation of law. They were not lawful at all, and they deserved the wrath of God until the law was fulfilled in Christ. When it was fulfilled in Christ, completely in love, done away with, the veil of the temple was ripped into. God said, there's no more separation because the payment for the evil has been done on my son. It's open to everybody from here on out. There is no more exclusions. But when you look at the Old Testament, and it can be tough, that group of people were supposed to obey his law or be punished and cursed, and the other people were not part of that, and they deserved whatever that they were living up to at that time. And I know it sounds harsh. It was harsh. The law is harsh. It's a taskmaster. So we are even more grateful that Jesus came and took upon himself and made it for us to say, thank you. Because we couldn't have done it on our own. Does that help at all? Um, it, it kind of does. I have a hard time believing that God would love his children more after Jesus Christ came. I believe that he would love them equally before and after Christ because they would always be his children. Yeah. So that for me is a little bit, a little bit tough, but I'm not sure that there's actually going to be an answer that's going to fulfill well, let me, that let question me, for me. Let me clarify something that you're saying here. And this, yeah. is, this is a perspective that is often misunderstood by Christians too. Okay. We are not human beings, his children, by birth. We are his creations. Now, we are made in his image, but because we are born into a fallen world, we are just creatures. And we are separated from God completely because he is righteous and holy and good, and we are not. Now, we are his creations, and he does love all of his creations. But he was a God of wrath, of just, complete justice in the Old Testament and mercy. The absolute fulfillment of his justice, though, has never been paid until Jesus died on the cross for it. So as a holy God looks down upon his creations, not his children, and he sees them killing the, the, each other and sacrificing their children to idols and worshiping false gods, this God of justice says, wow, they're his creations. When Jesus came and he paid that for us, we become his children through faith. And that is the only time when a human being is his child, is by faith on his son. And so that's what makes God our parent loving like we would our father Abba. We go to him open arms and he is, but prior to that, he loves us as a creation, but not as a child. We're not adopted to him yet. So that's the explanation for it, whether it makes sense to you or not, or whether you agree with it, that's another point, but that's the explanation. Okay, thank you for your time. Thanks so much. God bless. Bye-bye. Oh my goodness. Adam asks, if you are retarded and black, do you still have a free ticket to heaven? Um, the, the LDS have a belief that retarded children, and Christians would too, that they have a free ticket to heaven because they, they can't choose. And, you know, by the fall they came in retarded, so they're going straight to heaven when they die. No problem with that. So, because blacks couldn't go to, to the highest degree of celestial kingdom pre-1978, his question is if they were retarded and black, would they? And it's one I can't answer. It makes me laugh. I'm not laughing at a retarded black child, but I mean, this is when men start mixing this stuff up. 
I believe in, uh, yes, absolutely. Retarded or black, child goes straight to heaven. But uh, in the LDS, I don't know how they'd answer that one. Lorna in West Jordan, first time caller. Lorna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. You're on the air, Lorna. You gotta Hi, turn... son. This is Lorna. Hi. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I was born uh, a Mormon in Logan, Utah. And um, I never believed in the Mormon religion. And I was made to go in high school. And I left. And I've been watching you, and I think you are just absolutely great. Well, I'm not. I'm a jackass, to tell you the truth. But God is great, and uh, he does great things, even with donkeys. So uh, we praise him. But are you doing anything else now, Lorna? Are you, no, you... I just want to let you know that, you know, I had some neighbors down the street that, um, you know, they, they started their own church. And they have Bible study, and I went to that, and it has made me feel so much better. I'm not kidding you. I was really in, in outer darkness with the Mormon church. Awesome. I'm so glad you're doing that. that studying the Bible, that is so important. I'm really glad I know, to hear and that, and I thank you, and I thank you, I thank you for your program. Well, thanks for calling, Lorna. God bless you. Keep going with that study. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. We're going to Sarah in Ogden, who says you're a non-believer. Interesting. Sarah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sarah, you have to turn your TV down. Hey there. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. Hold on. Let me turn it down some more. Okay. Okay. I just have a question. This is really my first time watching. Uh, my husband watches... And I've listened, listened in a couple of times, and I just have a question. Uh-huh. What is your objective? Uh, my objective, first and foremost, is to get individual Latter-day Saints, not the church itself, individual Latter-day Saints to be born again, to receive Jesus as their personal Savior, and experience rebirth, spiritual rebirth. That's my primary objective. My secondary objective is to hopefully bring Mormonism to its doctrinal knees and to have it crumble in its doctrines because they chain people and put them in bondage. My third objective is then to help people who don't believe to uh, understand who Jesus is as he is the source of salvation. So that would be my primary, secondary, and tertiary objectives. Okay. Does that help? Uh, my husband and I really don't. We, we just call ourselves Christians. We grew up in Colorado and just went to the Lakewood Christian Church. Oh, yeah. And it just seems really, um, I don't know the, the proper term here, unchristian or unkind to talk down upon other religions. Yeah, in our day and age, it seems that way. In our day and age, it's politically incorrect to not agree with everybody and just say it's all good. I understand what you're saying, Sarah. But biblically, see, I use this, this thing as my guide. And it, it gives us so many emphatic things that are important. Now, it doesn't mean I don't love. I, my responsibility as a Christian is to love. And it might not carry through here on the show. But it is from love trying to help the LDS see that they don't need to be in bondage. Jesus died for, uh, because he spoke his beliefs in the face of the religious rulers of his day. John the Baptist lost his head. I mean, everybody, they suffer. The apostles all lost their lives because they spoke out against what was being done. Today, you're right. It seems not right. But the Bible is emphatic. Preach the word in truth and in love, no matter what, even if it's not comfortable. You know, we're getting to a point in our society, Sarah, where we, we say things like, well, you know, maybe even, maybe even, I guess, pedophiles are okay because we're so afraid to be politically incorrect and to hurt someone's feelings. But I truly am interested, having been LDS for 40 years, I know what the people are involved in there, and I know what they're missing according to the Bible, and that's why we do what we do. So you think it is Christ-like to put down other religions? I, I think that Christ put down the, the uh, leaders of the religion he belonged to by calling them vipers and snakes and hypocrites and liars. 
So Jesus did it, and believe me, I'm nowhere near him. If he did it, I can do it. You know, and, and they are liars, Sarah. So if they're lying and they're deceiving people in the name of Jesus, I'm going to stand up for the people in that church, including my own family. My friend, I'm sorry, but we are out of time. I've got 20 seconds left. A good call. Please keep okay, watching. Okay, thank you. Thank you, John. Okay, bye. Hey, great calls. I have emails. I'm sorry we ran out of time. A lot of quotes. Go to www.utlm.org and read the quotes on racism. You won't believe it. Keep coming. Check in with us next week here on Heart of the Matter and look at your heart. See if Jesus is there. See you next week. Thank you. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. Break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage.